We worship you, Lord, this morning, and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, the the fact that you are a communicable God. You you speak. Um, you you communicate. You tell us what you're uh, what you're thinking, how you feel, and you have revealed to us in your word everything we need for life and godliness. Father God, I pray in, uh, that our worship would be acceptable to you, not because we are good people or we have done good, but because you are a good God and you deserve the worship because you have covered us and you have uh, cleaned us, you've cleansed us from all unrighteousness. I can't even understand, imagine, fathom that in your sight, we are saints. In your sight, that, that's not how we feel. We feel broken, we feel uh, defeated sometimes. One day we feel good, another day we feel bad. But in your sight, permanently, forever and ever, you see us as saints. And the reason for that is because you have positioned us by faith in the person of Christ. And as you look at your son, the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead, gloried, glorious in splendor and majesty, restored to all of his dignity and glory, you see us in him, in him. The book of Ephesians just goes on and on about the, the, the wealth we have by being in Christ. Father God, I thank you so much for that, that you see us through Christ. If only we would see people through Christ. If only we would be able to uh, love people and serve people, communicate with people, not as sinners, but as those who are positioned in Christ. I, I wish that we would have the heart of God to not want punitive action against those around us, not want revenge or uh, people to be destroyed around us, but that they should be saved like God thinks, like th that they should be restored the way God feels about them. And as we look at people through the Lord Jesus, through the lens of the Savior himself, we see the glory of Christ. And we treat people as if we were speaking to Christ, talking to Christ. Oh, that that might be the reality of your community, of your family here on earth, Lord. For that is the purpose for which you have sanctified us and set us free. Father, as we listen to your word, give us, give us uh, a spirit of, of learning, a willingness to bend, a mind that's ready for, uh, for correction, for guidance. Only then with the wisdom of God come into enter our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning for our devotion, uh, let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. Just a few very beautiful thoughts uh, there. This passage, if you have a, um, it should be on your screen right now. If you have a title on top of it, it talks about bearing one another's burdens. But if you look at the overall letter, and you should always do that because Paul is writing a letter, you never take three sentences out of one letter out of context. But Paul's writing that and he's talking to the Galatian church. The problem with the Galatian church was essentially that uh, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. Gentiles were coming to Christ in droves. Jews were coming to Christ in droves. But there were some Jews who were apostates. They were, uh, they were moving away from uh, the freedom that we have in Christ. And they were incorporating 
certain old Jewish traditions, Jewish uh, ways of, of thinking. Uh, one of the big ones was circumcision, as he, as he goes on and on about in that book. So there was a lot of uh, this concept of, of burdening the people. Jesus said to the Pharisees and to the, uh, and to the Sadducees, he said to the religious leaders, why do you burden the people? Why do you burden the people with all of your 120 uh, laws? Just when they have accomplished one law, you come up with another law. They are always, they're always, always almost there. They are always almost there, but never there. Ne you never let people feel good enough. You never let people feel like they've actually uh, met your, your requirements. That is not the way of God. That is not God's spirit. So Paul in the Galatian uh, letter to the Galatian church, he hammers that out. So as he's wrapping up his letter, very beautiful uh, last few words, he just talks about how we are to lift one another. And there's a list of beautiful uh, ways we can lift each other, uh, uh, each other's burdens. You'll find this in, uh, in chapter six, verse one through six, just six verses. Have a, have a look at it. Let me just read this whole thing for you and then we'll go back to it. Okay, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, a transgression means a sin, uh, you, would, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let him, uh, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have his own burden to bear. Uh, let the one who is taught the word share all good things uh, with others. Uh, in fact, we can go down, go down to the end of the chapter also. Okay, but let's go back to the beginning right now. Uh, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, there is iniquity and there's transgression. Iniquity is when you are, are, are judged guilty. You are in violation of of the, the principles and laws of God. Uh, those are uh, iniquities. And, and David uh, says a lot of about transgressions and iniquities. Transgression is when uh, you have crossed parameters, you know, you have transgressed, trespassed. Um, transgression is, is sin, but it is oftentimes when you, uh, you are, the, the lines become fuzzy, uh, blurry, and, and you cross. Do we do that? Yes, we do that. Yes, we do that. And we do that because there are days when we are weak. There are days when, uh, when we are not, we're not feeling so close to the Lord or we have reason to just rebel. Sometimes, you know, there's, there's, this, this, there's these days when you just won't feel like doing something wrong or you feel like just, you know, throwing all uh, character to, uh, to the wind. There, there are moments like that. I hope it's just not me. And... Uh, uh, then there are days where you really love the Lord and you just want to hate all sin and you want. Uh, and, and so what he's saying is in a community, we are to watch each other, not with judgment, but with a hope to, to restore, with a hope to keep people close. Imagine we are all walking on the precipice of, 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 uh, of a mountain or a wall. Imagine if we're all walking across uh, along the uh, you know the the road on uh, in Missouri or it's, and we constantly when somebody goes through 
goes over to the edge or is too close to the edge, uh, somebody will say, careful, careful, come, come over this side. Or you grab that person. That's the, that's the allegory. That's the picture of a, a, a society, a, a community that watches over its own. You see somebody going over the edge. You see someone flirting with sin, flirting with a relationship, flirting with a situation which you know uh, it's possible to fall in without judgment. He says, with a spirit of gentleness, with a spirit of gentleness, restore. What does restore mean? To bring that person back to a place of strength, of, of, uh, of working. You who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, if you think of yourself as strong, then help the weak. Don't compare yourself. If you think of yourself as, as one who's, uh, who's, who's got it together, then your ministry is to pick up those who don't have it together. And I love what he goes on to say in verse two. He says, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. I carry yours, you carry mine. I got a struggle, I tell you, you help me with it. You got a struggle, you tell me, I help you with it. The bear one another's burdens is a law. It's the, it's the fulfilling of the law of Christ. Because Jesus thinks and acts like that. He says to us, he says, your burden is heavy, but my burden is not. My yoke is not heavy. And the reason for that is because I'll take most of the burden. So come, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. So he being the, the bigger portion of the partnership, the, the stronger partner in the relationship, he bears the brunt of it. So he's, that's the law of Christ. So he says, if you think you're so spiritual, if you think you are close to the Lord and you're doing well, then you ought to bear others. Imagine a community that is constantly lifting one another up rather than pointing fingers at one another. Some people consider it their own uh, ministry to point out everybody else's flaws and break everybody else down and, 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 uh, and uh, disqualify uh, everybody around them. I don't know if uh, that's how Christ thinks. Because the law of Christ is very different. Verse 3 says, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing. That's some pretty strong language, yeah? But if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Um, so so your, your self-view of where you stand really uh, matters. It really matters. So the safest way to show humility when you think you are strong is to help somebody else. I repeat. The safest place to be, the safest way to think, uh, to, to the attitude to have when you think you're strong is not to boast that you are strong, but to help somebody else. If we boast that we are strong, we're in trouble. I'll show you why. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. There you go. For each will have to bear his own load. That seems like a contradiction to what he said before, but he's talking about the load of your own conscience. He's talking about the load of your own. So if you test yourself, if you think of yourself as spiritual, then you ought to bear another's burden. But if you compare yourself to somebody else, you just lost the game. You just lost the game. The first thing we do in helping each other's burdens is to is to help people back 
to their place of spiritual vitality, to help people regain that confidence in Christ. You know, when we sin, when we do something wrong, when we have a bad day, or when there's been a period of, of being away from the Lord for a while, uh, it shatters our confidence. It shatters our confidence. At that point, there's no, there's no point pointing fingers and said, yes, but you were wrong. Yes, but you've been away from the Lord. And that's the moment to bring people back with a spirit of gentleness. And if you think you're so spiritual, then you ought to be acting as a helper rather than as a, as a judge. So he says, watch yourself as you do it. Fulfill the law of Christ. Think less of yourself. Test your own work and then stand uh, alone in responsibility for your own work. So you take care of your own responsibility for your own uh, character and also lift somebody else up. So we help people back in their confidence. We ought to be a community that is confident in Christ, not in ourselves. I have nothing good in myself. I have nothing good in myself. My goodness extends not to the Lord, the scripture says. My goodness, if I have any, is in Christ. It is in him. And I am clean in him. Help people back to confidence. There are so many people who are struggling in their walk with God. There are people who are feeling far from the Lord. During the pandemic, there are people who have drifted away from the Lord. If you think of them, if their name comes to you, call them up. Call them up. Have a coffee with them. Just spend time with them. Uh, pray with them. Laugh with them. And they will be restored. God will use you to restore. We are not a congregation of people who point fingers at others. We are those who lend people a helping hand. A second way to bear one another's burdens is look after the needs of God's servants. It says, look after the needs of God's servants. Verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So there, is, there ought to be this one feeds you spiritually and you take care of him physically or financially or whatever that, that is. So there is a strong partnership between the people of God and the servants of God so that those who have given themselves to look after spiritually the sheep ought to look after them. So there, were, there is no burden. There are a lot of pastors, not me, I've been taken care of by a wonderful congregation, a faithful congregation, and a, a faithful God. I'm doing fine. But there are hundreds and hundreds of pastors and evangelists who carry the burden of feeding their own family while they, their heart and soul melts for the, for the, for the, for the uh, church, for the people of God, for the lost. So they not only have given up their lives to serve the cause of Christ, but their own needs aren't even being met because the church has given up its, its responsibility to, to take care of them. We ought to be a congregation that bears one another's burdens by him, when, 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 the, when the servant of God is bearing my spiritual burden, I must bear his, his financial or his, uh, his uh, you know, material burden so that nobody is feeling overwhelmed with the burden because that's what happens when we share, okay? In the second part of the passage, he talks about doing good. He says, don't get weary in doing good. Uh, let me read it for you. He says, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh 
will from his flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit, capital S, will from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, reap eternal life. So there is a there is a principle at work here. We'll talk about that in a second. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Then we have the opportunity. So then since we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Two more things over here. Number one, he says, let everyone who's taught the word uh, share all good things. We've done that. Then he goes into a very interesting uh, uh, philosophy. He talks about a, a, a principle. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. You know, there has to be a continuity there with, from verse 6 to verse 7. He couldn't have changed the subject. There must be something there he, that he understands to be in conjunction with looking after God's servants. For one who sows to his own flesh will from, from the flesh reap corruption. So when you pour into your own life, your own carnal life, your, your own uh, you know, worldly life, you're going to get only from that. And all that you get from that will eventually corrupt. But, circle but, but the one who sows to the spirit my brothers and sisters, I don't know if we have tapped into that, that principle. I don't know if we, and this is not about money. No, 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 this is not about money. You don't sow into the spirit with money. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. I'm not even going to try to explain that. I want the spirit of God to reveal that to us. Uh, so I want, I want us to think about that this week. How do I sow into the spirit? How do I sow to the spirit? I'm sowing time, energy to my job, to my relationships, to my people around, to, to my work, to my fitness, to everything around me. I'm sowing into my earthly life, hoping to live longer, hoping to live stronger, hoping to sleep better, hope, hoping to, uh, to be less uh, you know, anxious in my latter days so that I have savings. I'm working towards that, sowing to that. The principle is at work, but what about my spiritual life? What about my spiritual uh, identity, my future, my eternal future? Okay, then he goes to a last one, he says in verse nine, he says, and that's how we know we've moved to another one. And let us not grow weary from doing good. Huh? Why would anybody grow weary of doing good? That's, that's a little uh, uh, presumptuous. Why would anybody grow weary of doing good? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because we don't see the fruit. We don't reap the harvest soon enough. Look what he says. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So two things there. There is a season and there is the, there, there's, the, there's the endurance. When I think that it's taking me so long to see the good in my life come back to me, I become wary of doing good, I repeat. When I see that doing good in my life takes a very long to come, takes a very long time for the fruit to come back to me, it, may, it doesn't seem worth it. It seems too uh, long term. Then I become weary in doing good. I'd rather see some immediate fruit. So if we don't give up in due season, we will see it. So don't give up. Don't give up doing good. Don't give up on those ideas you've had about helping people, uh, strengthening people, getting into ministry, serving the Lord in some capacity. Those ideas, those passions the Lord has given you, don't give up on them. So then we have this opportunity. 
God has given us opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. Think about why Paul would throw that in. Think about why Paul would throw that in. Do good to everyone, but especially to the household of faith. I can think of two reasons why. Number one, we don't want to help the church because we think the church should be helping us. We don't want to help people of the church because we believe they are the ones should also be helping everybody else along with us. So the church people are the last ones to actually get help. They are expect, there's more expected from them. So the first thing, first reason I can think of is why uh, Paul says this is because uh, he, we expect everyone in the church to be doing good for everybody else. We all, everyone should be a mother Teresa. Uh, that's not how it works. So he says, especially to the household of faith. The second reason is, <laughs> these are the guys you're going to live with for eternity. Yes, <laughs> you, you're in the world and you're doing good to the world, but the ones who are going to see their faces for eternity are the household of faith. So I think they are the ones who should be our first, uh, our first attempt, our first uh, priority. So that's why Paul says, let's carry one another's burdens, fulfill the law of Christ, use a spirit of gentleness, strengthen one another, don't be overconfident, don't let your own sin drag you down, lift others up, lots of good things in this beautiful passage of scripture. And I hope that you'll circle a couple of things and go back to that this week, this day, and kind of rethink that as, uh, as this word blesses your heart this coming uh, week. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Give us the strength uh, and the courage to take it to heart uh, and allow for our hearts to, uh, to respond to the spirit of God and what you're telling us to do about it. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.